Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, did a loved one come to a person suffering through COVID to help them navigate the waters of the disease? Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Of course, if you like the show, become an extra podcast person in EPP. You sign up to do that at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. $5 a month gets you access to all of our bonus episodes, all of our advanced episodes, the full archive, which is literally the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories. Uh, and the ebook, audiobook, there's tons of stuff there for only $5 a month, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to help uh, keep our program on the air. It's uh, Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the show. What's going on? Did something that I never thought I would do over the weekend, but I think you'll appreciate it. Maybe it's something you've done before. Okay. But um, so I live in Wisconsin and mm-hmm. one of the um, most notorious weirdos of Wisconsin is Ed Gein. Mm-hmm. Um, so this past weekend, you made a human leg lamp, <laughs> uh, a nipple belt, actually, <laughs> which I have on right now. Um, no, uh, I actually went to his gravesite. Okay. And um, a, a friend that I do a podcast with uh, called the Sandy and Todd cast. I've never met her before in person. We've no. just done this podcast. We're friends and stuff, but we'd never met. She came from New York to uh, spend the weekend with me. And she's like, we've got to go there. So we made the hour trek to Plainfield, Wisconsin <laughs> to check out the gravesite. Cool. And, I, and it was cool because um, his stone isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. They took it away because people were chipping away at the stone to have a piece of it. Yeah. Um, and you really, you know what cemetery it's in, which is, I wouldn't say it's a large cemetery, but it's a pretty decent size. It would probably take you a few hours to walk through and try and find where they were at. So it was looking at pictures online, seeing what was around it, looking for those, those kind of like things on the horizon and trying to find it. And then actually coming up and finding the, the four uh, plots, he, his brother, his mother and his dad all together. Aww. And um, really, really just a weird experience. We got out the K2 meters. We got out the Mel meters. We got out the SB seven or SB 11 or whatever the hell we got now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, did a little uh, investigating. We haven't had a chance to go over any audio or anything, but it was a really strange little thing because, so I'm, I'll tell you this, I was standing there and everybody says, uh, Ed's mother was the reason why Ed was so messed up. Yeah. Said she was domineering, uh, you know, felt like females were basically the work of the devil and all that kind of stuff. She, so she tried to keep Ed away from them. Mm-hmm. Well, here are these three headstones. Ed is, is gone. Her headstone, just because the way the movement of the earth has has moved stuff around, her headstone is quite a bit higher up than her husband's and her other son's. So she's a very domineering force even after death. But I was getting the feeling that there was another story there between the husband and wife. That's There was something that we didn't know. And I don't pretend to be clairvoyant or even Claire Huxtable for that matter. Um, <laughs> but I did think something was weird there. And I said, and I said the term 
rape or some something like that. Yeah. Well, we, we did some research afterward, and the first uh, boy to be born was Henry. Henry was Ed's brother, and let's see, Henry was brought into the world, when was it? Uh, 1901. He was born January of 1901. The mom and dad were married in December of 1900. So there was only a month between them getting married and the child being born. Mm -hmm. Now, which tells you that some some extracurricular activity was going on outside sure. uh, the marriage. So it was just kind of interesting. It was uh, all these little pieces came together. Um, Henry passed away. Uh, they're not sure exactly how he passed away. They called it asphyxiation, but he had bruises on his head. He was found face down after a fire. Mm. No burns, nothing like that. So there was a lot of talk that Ed killed him and then a year after he died his mother passed away so i mean the stories around there's Eddie a lot yeah going in cutting off his mom's head taking it to the house all that kind of stuff yeah and the, really, really creepy. with ed there was very few actual murders that he did other than the woman at the um the store in town there there uh, were yep there were two there was one yeah. that owned like i think a tavern and then mm -hmm. the one at the store um, yeah. But apparently he dug up a lot of bodies. Yeah. That, and, that's and, the thing he did the most of was was digging up the graves and then taking the body parts and the skin and making fashionable lampshades and yeah. stuff that you would. It's just to die for. I uh, <laughs> well, a, he, there's also stories of him, you know, making skin suits and wearing yeah. them and dancing around in them. Yeah. And um, so then we went to the land where his house was. It's burned down a long time ago. Yeah. But. To think about how he went and robbed graves and got the, he actually took the coffins back with him in some of the stories I was reading. Oh my God. Um, on a sled in the winter. And it was <laughs> miles out of town. It's not ah. like, you know, it's it's the northern part of the town. He he was walking through farm country, Holy you know, coffins. for several, several miles just to get those bodies back home. So oh my God. interesting. And that'd be, just be great. You're like out, you know, in the field at night in the country and the, the snow, the moon is bouncing off of it. And then off in the distance, you see the shadow of a man uh, and it's Ed pulling a casket on a sled. <laughs> right. And but but in those days, like there's probably, you know, not many people around. You might yeah. think that it's a hunter. You might think it's a farmer doing something with. I mean, sure. Who knows? Yeah. He got away with a lot of stuff right under their noses. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Well, there you go. Isn't th those areas are supposed to be quite haunted, aren't they? Especially the didn't somebody do some sort of investigation there on the site of where the house was? Yeah, Steve Shippey and uh, and I can't remember the uh, the psychic's name that went with him, but yeah. they said yeah the the ground is is tainted. And I was out there, and my friend Sandy, who is a very good medium, was out there. She didn't really feel anything there either, but there was some energy at the the grave sites. Not saying it was them, but. Yeah. I think that family created the energy that created what Ed Gein became. Like I, I do too. I mean, and, and when you have something like that, where a, he's basically mutilating corpses, is what he ends up doing. Is you know that's where I think you're almost creating energy with the just nefarious, horrible acts that you're committing. I don't think it's so much necessarily the energy of the the body that's been in the ground forever. That just seems to be kind of the you know, whatever's yeah. being used to, you know, it's, I don't like think it's like the ghosts of those people. I don't know. I mean, I suppose that could be a possibility, but I, I think, think that it started with his father. His father was an alcoholic. His mother was very domineering. That relationship wasn't very good. She felt trapped. I think the energy of the family dynamic mm -hmm. was not good. The, yeah. the other son, Henry, was basically against his mother because he saw her as domineering and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So 
that energy in itself, I think, is what made Ed Gein who he was and and do the things he did. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Did you? This is here's a fun fact. I'm not quite sure if you're aware of this, uh, but uh, there was uh, a television show uh, in the '80s that um, uh, was actually inspired by Ed Gein. Did you know that? What was it called? The you characters know? were very, um, very, very similar. Um, I'm just trying to pull it up here. Um, here we go. This was the, the show. As soon as it starts playing. Come on. Yes. Jason Seaver was based on Ed Gein. Did you know that? That is crazy. I'm kidding. I completely. I, I, re- I mean, I realize that, but I can't believe that I'm listening to B.J. Thomas sing the, sing the theme song to Growing Pains. Back when they made good theme songs, you know, didn't we actually played this on the radio? Didn't we? There was like an extended version that was on AC radio. There was an actual song. B.J. Thomas and somebody else recorded it, and yeah, yep. Gosh, yeah. Tracy Gold was uh, actually uh, inspired by... I don't know. I'm just making this shit Stop up. it. Stop <laughs> it. So there you go. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to our first uh, story of the day. It says, uh, hi, guys. Uh, I tested positive for COVID earlier this year. I quarantined myself into our camper that I parked in the driveway to protect my wife and kids. My symptoms are very mild. But on about the fifth day, I woke up feeling weak. I got up, cooked breakfast, tried to play my Xbox, but was so exhausted after breakfast, I went back to bed. I spent the rest of that day alternating between napping and attempting to read and play video games, but noticed I was becoming increasingly angry and sad. I was sinking into a depression from the isolation and boredom. I had too much time to think and stress about life. I thought about the uncertainty of our future with the pandemic, the political turmoil our country is facing, the social injustices going on. I began to worry about my own health. I had not had any symptoms of COVID other than losing my taste and smell up to this point, but the fatigue was I was experiencing to this day was like nothing I'd ever experienced. Was it going to get worse? I'm relatively young and healthy, but could this kill me? If not, would I have long-term complications? That night was no better. When I tried to sleep, I would doze off for an hour or so, then wake up sweating or freezing. This happened all throughout the night. Once, when I woke up, I began to cough, and when I did, it hurt deep in my chest. I began to worry I was in real trouble. Early in the morning, around 5 a.m., I managed to pass out from fatigue. I was suddenly in the house of my grandma, Ninny, lived in when I was growing up. This was where I spent much of my summers as a kid. I was my current age of 40. The floor plan of my dream was like Ninny's actual house, but this house was different. I understood it was the same house, but it was modernized from the way I remember it. Slowly walked through the house, making my way to the master bedroom. Rounded the corner where I saw Ninny with her back to me, cleaning a mirror. She sensed I was there and turned towards me. Just like the house, I understood it was Ninny, yet she seemed similar but different. She walked right up to me and appeared as though she was looking through me. I somehow knew in the dream that I was dreaming at this point. The moment that thought crossed my mind, it was like a veil lifted. All the difference I spoke of earlier melted away and Ninny was standing there looking and acting like herself. She seemed to focus on me. She was no longer looking through me. 
but right at me. She smiled and gave me the biggest hug, squeezing me so tight. I was filled with so much warmth and love that I began to cry. I woke up crying, though not because I felt as though I lost her all over again. I could still feel her presence, however. I told her out loud I missed her. After gathering myself, I noticed that I felt okay. The previous day turned out to be the only day I experienced any symptoms other than the loss of taste and smell. I've heard that many people report having vivid dreams while sick with COVID-19. I also know that I was under a lot of stress and I was apparently running a fever that night. So vivid dreams and hallucinations are a possibility. I'm certain, though, that Ninny came to let me know everything was going to be okay and ease my mind in my time of need. The experience was too real and it was too much like something she would do to uh, th that she would do to help me through this. What are your thoughts, Matt? Wow. I mean, yeah, it could, it could be like fever induced dreams and all that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. wouldn't it be wonderful if somehow the true story was that this woman did come back to visit mm -hmm. and the interaction with her is what helped him get better at that point. I mean, we can sit here and say, oh, it's, it's nothing but a dream, blah, blah, blah. We do that our whole lives. We blow stuff off. But who really knows, you know? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think the, the stories like this where the interactions are very brief, there's not like a conversation that goes on. It's just more kind of mental. It's just being in the presence of one another. Those right. to me... And the feelings that people describe in those ones stand out as being, I think, if you were to pick which ones are most likely truly an encounter, it's those ones. I think more so than the, I had a conversation with my deceased loved one. Now, I think that can happen, but I think that can sometimes be more apt to our mind, just kind of filling in blanks and trying to cope and, and deal with things of that nature when it gets really, really interactive. But I think sometimes all that's that's needed is just that connection, just that you're next to each other, giving a hug, whatever, and, and you just know that the other person is okay. I think those seem to be some of the most authentic ones that we hear. Very true, and I agree with that. And I also think that if we are having communication, it's probably nonverbal. I mean, we're probably understanding things through that communication that yeah. in, in our normal life, we could only understand through verbal communication. But, you know, in a different sense or in a different world, we'd be able to communicate just by knowing things. And, and that's exactly what it sounded like to me. I do too. I agree. And very soon, Amazon will be giving us chips, which actually allow us to do that in real life too, just by knowing things. You can just across the room. Boom. I go. heard something about that, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, oh, like with Bezos or Bezos or I don't know which one is going to the moon next, but somebody's working on technology that will help you communicate with other people without actually speaking. Oh, God, that's scary. I don't want people to know what I'm thinking ever. No, no. I mean, ever. And is it just like what? God, I don't even. God, that's duh. <laughs> I mean, just the idea that something could like pick up your brainwaves and translate it into a language that the other can understand mm -hmm. is. But again, I mean, look at the idea of half the things that we have today, you know, 100 years ago would have been like what there's no way that's gonna happen like, sitting at my typewriter smoking my pipe writing yeah. my book and now it's all you know voice activated ai kind of technology yeah i mean the idea that we could say out loud to play literally any song in the world and yeah. it just starts playing for you i mean that was something i i was blown away by the idea of 10 years ago um netflix i was blown away by about 10 years ago too like going oh my god you can just like 
like really anything on here. It's like just streams it to your like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Um, for the youngins, Netflix used to be literally in the mail DVDs, <laughs> which I think right. I, I still have a few. I never returned. <laughs> I was going to say you had to remember to return them back. Now you can just go on and say, hey, uh, so-and-so play um, the theme from Growing Pains. And there it is. There it just is. like that. Yep. Yep. I do have to admit, I think there was a couple times when I was uh, young and making absolutely no money that I would rent the movies and then tell Netflix, oh, no, I returned that to you. I totally returned it. Oh, it must have got lost in the mail. We'll send the next one to you in your queue. I did Tony, that a few Tony, times. Tony. I did. I scammed Netflix for, for a, a couple movies, probably. Probably uh, like a Christmas vacation or, uh, or, <laughs> or, or, or you know groundhog's day or something i don't know I, I i think i did that all right let's continue on uh next story says i never thought i was a sensitive person but a lot of unexplained things have happened to me especially as i've gotten older here's a few of my stories when i went to chicago with my friend we stayed in a hotel it was old and historical we had some strange things happen to us our room felt cold the entire time my showers are always freezing cold but my friend's showers were warm she and I both heard knocking noises. She thought I was doing it and thought I thought she was doing it. I decided to open the door, and when I looked in the hall, there was nothing. A month after our trip, I could, couldn't stop thinking about the hotel, so I decided to do a quick search. I found that Al Capone had stayed there. I don't know if we were experiencing, uh, if our experience had anything to do with him, but I found it interesting. Another thing that happened to me was on August 10th of 2020, the seventh anniversary of my grandpa's death. It was 3 a.m. I was sitting on my couch playing on my phone after getting ready for work. I heard the doorbell ring, as did the dog, but no one else in the house did. I went and looked outside and saw nothing. I think it might have been my grandpa coming back to say hi and that he's okay. They wouldn't have been the first time I had things happen where he visited. I have also had lights flicker right after I said I missed my grandpa. I've seen a lot of cardinals after I thought about him or my uncle who passed away. One time recently, my boyfriend was working on a trailer and fell, and he got hurt, but it could have been much worse. Right after he came in the house and told me what happened, he and I both saw a cardinal. I think it was one of our family members looking over him and coming to tell us everything would be okay. I've also had premonition dreams. There have been three dreams so far. The first one was about a co-worker that had cancer. I woke up from it and thought it was weird and went back to sleep. I didn't think about it again. But a month later, my boss had a meeting and announced the co-worker that I had the dream about had cancer. The second dream I had about a, another co-worker, I had a dream that she got fired. Again, I went back to sleep. Very next day, she was let go. The third and final premonition dream I had was about my cousin. I had a dream that she had a baby girl. I could see the little girl's face and could tell she was healthy and happy. My cousin's not pregnant and never has been. Now we wait to see if it happens. Sorry for the long rambling email. Hope it all makes sense. Thank you for all you do. You do a great job. Uh, there we go. Thoughts? Just so, somebody you don't want to have dream about you because if that's the case, then something, you know, something could happen to you. I do know a lot of people who have specific dreams mm -hmm. about certain things. A friend of mine will have dreams about people's deaths, but only their deaths. And it's not like it comes to them or it doesn't come to her visually in her mind or anything she'll just wake up and go oh so-and-so died and then like you will hear that that person had passed away so it's so like I, I it's it's weird but I, I don't know how uncommon it really is but it's not it, 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 she has the dream but by the time she's out of bed they're already dead yeah okay so it's not like oh shit better warn somebody it's 
Nah, she has no. And, and half the time I think she's happy they're gone. I'm just being <laughs> honest about that. I dreamt so and so, so and so died. Like, when you hear that, I didn't. I just dreamt it. And I'm always yeah. right about it. <laughs> you look it up. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say, I think Al Capone must have like been the best traveler in history because when you talk about historic hotels and everything now, every single one that exists all says Al Capone stayed here. Yep. Now, how many actually do you think Al Capone stayed at? Wasn't there a story of him like here in Wisconsin? He had a hideout or something like that along the lake or yeah. I don't know, something weird. I think up in the northern woods, he had one because he had some, and he had some down here, too. It was like in this kind of stretch of the country. But I swear it feels like every single old hotel I ever go into now, they always like have an Al Capone story. And I don't know if I believe all of them anymore <laughs> just because it's like, did he really stay in this many hotels? I don't know. Bodies buried. There's always the stories. Bodies were buried in the basement. There's yeah. tunnels underneath the blah, blah, blah. And Al Capone slept here. Well, yeah. OK. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, it's interesting. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a caller. Hi, you're on the air. Well, I'm not a very good storyteller, but I am a bit afraid to talk about this because I'm afraid it might come back. When I was four years old, my father had a cerebral hemorrhage on my bedroom floor. I bring that up to sort of just let you know kind of the family dynamics. Well, my mother remarried. And at night, I started getting a visitor. He always came through. We had in our bedroom, the entire wall was floor to ceiling windows. Well, he would come through the window and he would stand over my bed and he would watch me. He had a dark tape, like one from the Victorian days and a top hat, but you could never see a face. It was always darkness, just darkness. I would be terrified. I would try to scream, I would try to yell, but I was I was five years old and my mother slept downstairs and my sister and I slept upstairs. Well, this continued. It didn't continue every night, but this man would come, I'd wake up and he'd be standing over my bed. When I would go to the neighbors to sleep over with uh, my friends, if I would go to the bathroom at night or get up to get a drink of water, he would be looking at me through the bathroom window. Well, when I was in eighth grade, I believe, eighth or ninth grade, we built a new home and moved to a new town. It followed me there, coming through my bedroom window and would stand over my bed. The last time that it came, it was bending over me. I still never saw a face. This time I was able to let out a, a scream and my mother came in. My mother saw this in tea and she just destroyed any scary story, any books that had anything to do with the occult. And um, I never saw him again. When I was 18 years old, 
I met a girl who was born the same day, the same time, the same year as I was. As you know, like in astrology there, everybody has their sun sign, you know, the time you were born, Scorpio, Leo, but there's also a rising sign that affects it. And that's determined on where you lived, like the longitude, latitude, time you're born. And I met a girl who was born exactly same time, same hospital, everything I was born. She was an artist, she had a portfolio, and in her portfolio was a picture of this man. Now, this was, I was born in 1956. Stephen King had not been publishing books when I was a little girl, but I always referred to it as the dark man. So when I saw this picture, I got frightened. I can't even explain to you how how scared I was. And I asked her why she why she drew that, who it was. And she said, "Well, that's the dark man. He follows me in my dreams." And that's my story. I haven't seen the dark man since. I keep religious articles in my bedroom. <laughs> I don't, oh, we, one thing I did, we did dabble with Ouija boards, but I was, you know, four or five, six years old. I mean, the most we would ask it would be, how old is Uncle Lyle? You know, stupid little things, a little kid would ask something. So we did play with Ouija boards, but other than that, I, I don't know what it was. I know it wasn't my father because my father wouldn't have scared me. Whatever this was, it was dark. It, it wasn't there to to help me. It was there to cause harm to me. And it was terrifying. And to this day, I'm afraid. I don't put myself in any situations where I'm I'm near anything that has to do with the occult. But I do like a good scary story, which is why I listen to your podcast. So if this is of interest, please retell it because I am a terrible storyteller. And so many other things have happened, which makes me think that I'm either sensitive, desensitive, an empath, but I can tell if I walk into a home and things aren't right, I can tell. I, I, I know. I mean, I, I have other things I could tell you, but they're, they're personal, and they involve members of my family, and I wouldn't feel right telling the story myself because my voice would be known to them. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Bye. Thank you for sharing that story. I want to give her two tickets to Occult Fest 2021. Stop at it. At the Howard Johnson in Des Moines. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, the thing is, you hear a story like that, and I think 
most people, the first thing you do is go, well, you know, she must, she must have issues, whatever. I can hear the, I can hear the fear in her voice. Oh yeah. Like this really scared her. Yeah. And in, in, in her life, in her mind, this happened. Mm -hmm. And what, what bothers me is we've, we've got to get to a point where we either start believing people when they tell us this stuff, or we need to figure out a way to prove that this stuff happens so that we can open the door to a better understanding of some of the stuff that we've pushed away all of our lives and never talked about because, you know, there is no monster under the bed. There are no such things as ghosts and, and allow people to tell their story and feel confident in doing it. So let me ask you this. So what level of proof needs to exist to make someone accept that these things exist if they already do not believe in them? And I ask that because we're in the world where, there are things that have nothing to do with ghosts that are simply facts that people refuse to believe. So when we're well, talking I'm, about something like this, it's even more far, far out there. You know, I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm thinking, well, we've got medical people and scientists saying this, and then we've got a group of people that just don't want to believe it and want to throw out, you know, uh, other information. I think you're always going to have that. And maybe moving forward because of the world we live in now, it's going to be even more difficult to prove it. But yeah. You know, even for people who believe or who have had their own experiences, it would be nice to be able to share that with other people who believe and actually say, here, this is what I experienced. You know, I, I think we're going into a, a world where there will be more evidence for, for the paranormal and ghostly type things than we've ever had in the past. But I think you're still going to have the, the numbers of people who believe in it. I don't know. I think we're already kind of peaking at probably the higher level of where it's going to peak. And I think the level that's not is just not it, it, Like I said, when it comes to things that aren't ghostly, people don't tend to budge from their views on topics like this. I mean, unless they have the experience themselves, but that's the thing. It has to happen to themselves. You know, they don't matter how many amazing pieces of video audio whatever uh that show there's something else going on here because so much more has been captured i still don't see it like increasing the number just because people dig in on things like this and i don't know why well you're right and again you're you're also right in saying that the world as we know it today definitely proves your point so yeah and uh, it, it's it's crazy because you'd think with all the more pieces of evidence that come out they'd be like oh this will be more open I don't know. I, I don't really think that the way things are. It's what I thought was going to happen, but yeah, I don't know. All right. That's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person and EPP. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. $5 a month gets you access to all of our bonus episodes, all the advanced episodes. It's all commercial free and you can binge away at it at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Until next time, for Todd and Tony, thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>